come on, like you've never heard of mashed potato tits. <laughs> oh, I haven't, but okay. <laughs> Hello and welcome everybody to another episode of the End Podcast where we like to talk about films and we like to talk about comics and we like to talk about TV shows and we try and sound dead clever and informed and rehearsed. But, dear viewer, that is not the episode that we're bringing you today. This is <laughs> part two of our mini-series within this series of the source material from the comics of James Gunn's DCU. And this is the miniseries of Grant Morrison's Batman. And we're doing it omnibus by omnibus. So this one took us past the midway point and it's, yeah, the, the omnibus two of three. <laughs> oh, goodness me. Ah, uh, yeah, this, this one's This one's going to be a thing. Uh, so... With me as usual is my darling co-host Tim. How are you, Tim? Matt, I'm. I couldn't be better. Coming up on the holiday, I'm in between jobs. It's just like I'm living my best life. So it's great to be here. Yeah, you're bleary-eyed and bearded. If that's not an unemployed man, I don't know what is. Slightly <laughs> <laughs> uh, hungover and. Uh... Oh, yeah. <laughs> Well, I'm I'm a little bit giggly. Can I tell you why? Well, last night, I I had a busy day. Yesterday, we supposed to... Well, I'll tell you what, before we get into the details, let's not keep our... Let's not keep our third wheel. (laughs) Our welcome third wheel. Our uh, favourite third wheel. Tara, part of the... Part of the Empire family. Welcome back, and a pleasure to be with you. How are you? Just, I, I'll pretend I'm living my best life too. <laughs> Glad to be with you guys for sure. Let me tell you about this best life thing. So having had this, like been in between jobs and not giving an absolute shit. So basically being unemployed, even though I was employed. And once I gave notice, I basically just like sat around and put my feet up and read comics in my office. <laughs> so those two weeks, plus like the last week, I got to tell you, I am so looking forward to retirement. I cannot imagine <laughs> being born. <laughs> like, there's those people, you know, who like, like hit the lottery and they just yeah. like continue to work. What the fuck are you do? If I hit the lottery, literally no one in my professional life would fucking hear from me again. I'd be gone. Yes. You'd never see me again. Do you know what? If I won the lottery and if it was enough, the three of us would just be doing podcasts. That's all we'd be doing. <laughs> be we would have the most kitted out home studio, like repulsively overdone. <laughs> yeah, totally. Massive, like libraries of fucking omnibuses. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. All soundproofed. And... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you guys would hear from me again, but people in the legal community would be like, whatever happened to that guy? We heard he, he won the lottery and became a, a YouTuber. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> How good would that be, though, in your next 
barbecue where you don't really know someone or like a, an extended family Christmas thing. What are you up to these days? I'm a YouTuber. In your 40s as well. Like, you know, yeah. not be embarrassed about it, being like, I'm a, I'm a YouTuber. Let's yeah. have it. Yeah, yeah. yeah, basically. Yeah. Oh, sorry, are my bollocks out? Oh, did, why did I... <laughs> <laughs> sorry. I did a slap it on the table for everything. <laughs> yeah. Look out for my banana. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's Thanksgiving dinner when you're trying to cut the turkey with your dick. <laughs> You're just you're just kind of slapping it a little bit. Oh man! Oh. Like this of Brussels sprouts, just licking him out. From his head. Oh goodness me! Oh. I can't compete with that. I don't have a banana. Oh, um, come on! Like you've never heard of mashed potato tits. I haven't, but okay, I guess that's my dish now. <laughs> Well, you know, yeah. that's to be something for everybody, don't they? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> uh, of course. So basically what happened yesterday, I um, I always try and get on the Robert Mybinet's members only chat because for the first hour or so, it, it's live on YouTube. So I always try and get on it to look our podcast. And he's really, he's really good about it. And he asks questions. And then he actually last night, because after you get like a seven minute countdown, and then uh, okay. after that, your mic cuts out. So I forgot about that. I wanted to get a YouTube uploaded yesterday, but I did the sort of recommendations from the last last one. And that takes a little bit more time because it's not just dragging the same videos over. And especially when you've got comics in there because you have to get the issues. Anyway, the point being, yesterday, I thought I had a lot more time than I did. And I didn't start reading until, I don't know about, I was reading while I was waiting on YouTube to get on Robert My Burnett. Um, so it was about seven. I've been reading for about an hour before, but my head just wasn't in it because this is, it's so dense. I thought I'd just be able to sit here, flick through it and just wait for my turn sort of thing. It is not that kind of thing at all. Yeah. And you know that pretty yeah. fucking soon on. So I've, I've gone to Sainsbury's, so the supermarket. I'm going to make myself some like satay beef. I've got myself a nice like fillet steak. I've got all the ingredients. Going to make it from scratch. It'd be cheaper to go to the Chinese, but I I was invested. I go to turn the hob on. It's electric hob. Wouldn't come on. Mm. Oh no! So exactly. So I end up ordering the pizza and a bit of fried chicken, and then uh... (laughs) well, well, I've got this bottle of red wine that I bought specifically because I'm cooking myself. I want a nice experience. A glass while yeah. I'm cooking, one when I'm going to eat, and then maybe one when I settle down with Grant Morrison's <laughs> omnibus to a backpack. So what ends up happening is I'm so hungry at this point because I kind of be doing like one meal a day to try and shift a few pounds and, and whatnot. And it's too capricious a technique. I'm just going to go back to no carbs and, and doing some exercise next week. So I'm starving. I inhale this pizza and this chicken in about five minutes. I'm not even chewing it. I'm just basically putting it into my gullet and then punching myself yeah. in the throat to make it get down. <laughs> and you're sweating. You're sweating like grease. Yeah, yeah, I'm sweating. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so what I've done to decant the red wine is the cafetiere that I'm now using. I just tip the the red wine into the. It's pretty much the same shape as like a, a decanter, and it got to about one in the morning. I'm a thick trade paper back into it, so the whole thing's like an inch and a half, and I'm about mm-hmm. five six mil into it. I'm like, I can't do it. I'm not in the right frame of mind. I've not touched the wine. Been sipping because I'm 
lying down, but I've not even had the first glass, basically. So I've got mm-hmm. fuck it. Go to bed, set the alarm for early doors. We'll get up, be fresher, you'll be clearer of mind, and we'll just start and we'll just hammer it out. So, <laughs> so I get up. The first alarm went off at six. I got up at seven, and I read basically the whole thing today, pretty much. You are like on a roll of absolutely inhaling these. Like it wasn't good though. You can't from hell once you're in the groove. That was easy because I was captivated by the story and I couldn't wait to see what was happening next. This, I was constantly going, oh, don't worry about it. It'll make sense in the end. Don't worry about yeah. it. I mean, it'll make sense in the end. Don't, like, don't. Whereas I think if it had been over a week or if it had just been leisurely reading, I could have taken my time a little bit or maybe got a bit more out of it. So the point of this little anecdote is I'm sitting there and... In the back of my mind, there's this half-drank glass of wine next to me. And I'm like, well, we can't start drinking at 8 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> but then I was speaking to message in Tim, and Tim was like, it's, well, it was 3 in the morning where you are, wasn't it? And I was yeah. kind of like, yeah. well, it's kind of still nighttime for Tim. So what I'm basically trying to say is we're taping this at 1 o'clock in the afternoon and I've had a bottle of red wine. <laughs> 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 but, uh, I mean, I don't regret it, but I do feel like I have a bit more of a glow. <laughs> That's so funny. You know, the and one thing about getting a little older, I don't know if you guys noticed this. I'm not old, but I'm definitely not 20. I cannot day drink. If I drink during the day, my fucking day is over. It's ruined. Yeah, like yeah, I get yeah. tired or like you have like a waking hangover. It's I hate it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think halfway through this podcast, we're going to drop off significantly. <laughs> <laughs> the giggly is just going to be wriggly that's all it's going to be um so let's get on to the matter at hand oh and b- before we do that just remember guys if indeed you are looking at us viewing us on youtube then this is an excerpt from the full podcast and you can find that by searching spank media and the end on any of your favorite listening locations and if you are listening to us on a favorite listening location then we have started to talk about youtube exclusives where we'll do a quick take on a film that you know isn't going to be a full episode so it's well worthwhile going over to youtube and following us there as well subscribing and you will find us under the end one shots and it's going quite well at the minute isn't it tim it is we're getting uh some hits we're getting some hits yeah yeah we are uh okay let's Let's um, let me give a brief introduction <laughs> to the matter at hand. So, as we said, it's Grant Morrison's sophomore. She is an Englishman. Me saying that felt very sophisticated. <laughs> this sophomore omnibus in his Batman run. Now, contrary to that, most of this was his Batman and Robin run, which was issues one to sixteen. It also covered Batman 700 to 702, The Return of Bruce Wayne 1 to 6. That's what Amazon said, so I'm guessing it's accurate. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay, Tara, how did you feel upon completion? Well, do you want to hear how confused I was or how glad I was to just get to the back? I kind of feel that's a statement in itself. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't mean to sound like I'm moaning about it because it's one of those things I'm glad you have read it 
but in the midst of it, I kept wondering, okay, well, when I get a little further, it's going to make sense. I just got to let this flow and everything's going to come together. And then after a while, okay, so no, no, that's not, that's not what's going to happen. So I'm just making peace with that, that I'm going to always be confused about this part of the storyline. I feel as though this is the reference Morrison by what I mean, like the paradigmatic Morrison of the the fear I associate with him. Mm-hmm. Is that when you open a story, you're going to recognize that there's something important happening, but you're not really sure what it is. And this is different from All-Star Superman because I thought I largely understood that story aside from like the bizarro stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just found it boring and sort of like, I don't care. This though, there are so many instances like where the setup, the concept is so interesting, but I just don't understand what's happening. Like the time travel stuff was briefly like the time travel stuff was so conceptually interesting. I'm like, Oh wow. Mm -hmm. Fucking Bruce Wayne and Jonah Hex. I don't even understand what the fuck is happening here. Like who are these characters? Like what is going on exactly? Why are they trying to kill him in like 1860? I don't know. And so there are so many instances. Like I want to love this. I think a close read a closer read that I was able to give it over the course, I read it slowly like over the course of a week and I still don't quite understand it. So I don't, I don't think necessarily reading it in one day is, I, I, to me, like if you read it over a week, you're not getting that much more out of it. But there are, there are just so many instances like that where it's like, wow, I, I see something is happening here. But I just missed it. I just mm. didn't know what is actually happening, but I, it's very confusing. And you want to understand it. And that is like the, I think, like I said, the reference Morrison. You see something happening, you desperately want to understand it, but you can't, mm-hmm. but you can detect that something big, important, and um, really interesting is happening. I just don't know what it is. I mean, there's not much more to add than that. I, I read most of it in about 20... No, I read the whole thing in 24 hours again, but in two sittings. I gave in after, I don't know, about 15, 20% of it last night because I couldn't... I couldn't grapple with... The opening was fine because we have 16 issues of Batman and Robin, and that was pretty linear. And then because we have all the overlapping storylines, uh, even talking about it, it's confusing because yeah. I understand the premise and it made me think a lot about my complaints about omnibuses, especially the reissued events from Marvel where, well, not the reissued ones, the more recent events whereby they're not chronologically ordered the issues. So for example, War of the Rounds is 1500 pages and you have all of War of the Realms and all of Thor, and then you have the miniseries one after mm-hmm. the other, and you have to kind of keep a tablet with a reading order open next to you and keep flipping back and forward. And I was highly critical of that. But this actually made me appreciate what Marvel tried to accomplish in the way that I've done Civil War in single issues, and I've bought them all retrospectively. It was like a mini project. It was the first thing I did, actually, when I got back into comics after the first Avengers film. And it made canonic sense. And you had bits of Peter Parker spliced in with a one-shot or the main arc. And it was enjoyable because you're seeing what's happening 
behind the magician's curtain sort of thing. But this mm-hmm. was, I know it was to the point of complexity, but at which point I, I, I just lost interest in understanding it. I I just said, well, it'll make sense sooner or later. Um, the further in to this collected edition, I found myself, I realised there's not enough pages left to make this worthwhile. The final issue is basically where it pulls everything back together. There is the the Batman three time thing. I was like, okay. And it went through kind of 50 year uh, iterations of American history. Okay, this means something. But then at the same time, you had a Batman story with, uh, you had a subplot with the Joker, didn't you? Which turns out- What, ha- what was that about? It was baffling. It was baffling for the point of being baffling. And, and this word that I, I don't know, I think I've made up, but it was connoisseurist. It was complexity mm. for the sake of okay. complexity to make sure that you, oh, I understand it. Oh yeah, Grant Morrison's Batman, I know. Do you know what I mean? It was a very yeah. connoisseurist approach to to the point whereby I don't, I stopped enjoying it. And it was almost performative reading where, well, perfunctory reading where it was just page to page, get the issues out. Let's just get to the bit where, to the extent where we were 10 minutes from taping. And I thought I had one issue left. There was two issues. And I didn't even read the final issue. I just looked at the panels and going, okay, so that's how they've tied it all together. Because I don't want to read like an inch and a half of fucking complicated Batman for the rewards to just be panel to panel told you so the toil wasn't preclusive to the reward it was almost prolapse well okay let's let's (laughs) so basically the story is after the first omnibus batman has gone ham and he's brought down the black glove hasn't he he's basically mm-hmm. they've captured him for the entertainment of the exclusive two percenters the billionaires of gotham and he is supposed to have died now of course we know it's not because this was written in the about what 10 years ago and there's been a lot of batman comics since mm-hmm. <laughs> so we know we weren't real dead but for the purpose of the comics and then we have Damian Wayne's still about. He's still knocking around as Robin, but... Um, Dick Grayson. Yeah, the original Robin. He's given up being Nightwing. He was about to get into Titans, and he's taken on the mantle. There's a bit of... He, there's a bit of early problems, and he's getting used to the role, but by the end of it, him and Robin are actually a real... a real good double act, a real good Cape Crusader yeah. and the Boy Wonder. And then we have this time travel arc where we don't know what's happened to Bruce Wayne and Batman, but we assume that something's afoot. And we have these kind of vignettes, a six-part vignette, where they take him through 50 sort of year iterations of American history where he turns up as a version of the Cape Crusader. And he, like you said, he, he encounters Jonah Hex, another historically... If, even if not in the comics, like relevant people and see how, and there's almost kind of like a bootstrap paradox at one point where he is almost the reason where his mother and his father meet each other. A back to the future kind of thing, really. And then we have this other story arc, which involves 
a sort of BDSM gentleman, head to toe. <laughs> and there is a traditional Batman story that's just going on throughout it that has this like piggy villain who is, he's kind of almost an analog for the Joker because he uses, he's kind of like Joker and Scarecrow put together. A little bit deranged, mm-hmm. but not as much as the Joker. He has the chemical agents, but not quite as potent as Scarecrow. And so you have your traditional Batman story running all the way through. And then there's a twist that brings the Joker into it. And again, Tim, you, you were about to speak on that. But up to that point, I was thinking, how refreshing is it that this hasn't had the Joker in it yet? And then they could have fucking helped themselves. There's also that storyline with the Justice League going to like to the end of time. What yeah. the fuck was that? Are we supposed to understand what precipitated that or like what their purpose is? Their purpose is to like prevent Bruce Wayne. They know Bruce Wayne's in history and they want to prevent him from coming back or something. I think they wanted to bring him back, but they were worried that because the only way that the only way that he could get back was through absorbing enough Omega energy for a reason that for him to get back, it would rip a a, a hole in space-time. That that would derange him so much that you're talking about one of the most OP, however, not heroes, and he would come back unbridled and aggressive and disorientated. Their concern was sort of realised, you know, for for a period, yeah. It did the classic superhero trope that something is unknown, therefore it is dangerous, so they... They immediately tried to lead with fists, and it read Robin, wasn't it? Who is is that Nick, not Nick Drake, because he's the gravel voice, the baritone singer. Are you talking about Tim? Is it Jason Todd? Jason Todd, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jason Todd, that's it, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, 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 yeah. And he was like, let me just talk to him. And he manages to talk him off the cliff. But I I tell you what, one, one of the only bright sparks of that, and that was one of the parts where I was like, just allow it, let's just let this run, because it injected this black, oily, sort of almost slenderly um, symbiotic character in the context of Venom. And it just injected that into it with two, three panel passages. And I was like, who the fuck's this guy? Like, is this just me not knowing enough DC? Is this a he who remains sort of thing or whatever? It, I, it was baffling. They slowly... Well, to start with, it was slowly, but it was kind of like an exponential introduction to the, what the Justice League were trying to do. And then Darkseid was involved and Darkseid yeah. was making him. But why was Batman? It, the whole thing just made me think, is there an event here that overlapped with Batman, the, this Batman story leading up to maybe Flashpoint, wasn't it? it because this mm. was just prior to Flashpoint. Is there a bigger crossover that I'm unaware of that this should make sense in? But it was absolutely baffling. Mm-hmm. Especially juxtaposed against the first omnibus, which was pretty straightforward and actually very enjoyable. Yeah. And then you get into this and it's like, I do not fucking understand it. And it's like, I want it so badly because that time travel stuff was so interesting. Like him interacting right. with <laughs> Even like the last one where it's like that noir thing where he meets up with like... I love that. Yeah, I didn't, so but I didn't understand. I didn't get it ultimately at all, but I liked it. I wanted to like it so badly. Like it's so conceptually good. If Same. I had infinite time, I would reread it again. And I think 
it would be yeah. incredibly beneficial and it would be a lot more enjoyable. But I just don't. And I don't think anything should be so full on its own importance that you need to read something twice, almost immediately, for it to be enjoyable. You absolutely nailed it, Tim. This was the concerns about Grant Morrison. I've only mm-hmm. read smaller stuff, and I think that is why I haven't read a lot of Morrison, because when you look at his Justice League, when you look at his Doom Patrol, Animal Man, they are substantial omnibuses, or they're, they're a substantial run. You know, you're talking 50-plus issues minimum. Yep. Wow. So I've read Klaus, I've read We Three, very good stories, very concise, very particular, and cerebral in a way that's incredibly rewarding. Mm-hmm. But this kind of shit, especially with me being an ultimate completist, even if this was single issues, I would have to have ridden it out. In trades, I would have continued buying them despite the fact. But this is one of the thoughts I had when I was reading it. Again, with the, the way that the omnibus was actually constructed and the way that it did issue by issue canonically which i think added to the confusion but then i thought well is there actually a good ordering where you can put three issues and then three issues i I don't think you probably could do it's a riddle it is an absolute riddle and i thought to myself well have you done yourself a disservice trying to read this in one go probably not because this is the kind of title that if it wasn't for the podcast it would have stopped me reading comics because I knew I had to get to the end of this. I don't know a way to read this to get maximum benefit. Maybe if you did it over a month or two weeks and you did a couple of issues a night and you really ingested and digested and had time to pontificate about it there afterwards. But again, it shouldn't need to... No, no comic should need that level of planning and at which point yeah. do you decide that that's the way to do it after you're confused to fuck after you're bored to tears <laughs> do you know what i mean like at what point do you go oh i shouldn't be reading this all in one go it's yeah it's dense and convoluted and complicated i can imagine that for a dc real dc person there's probably lots of rewards to this comic i hope so i'm just not that person to the extent that I read DC, it's for this show. Like, I don't really read DC. I ha- or I haven't really started to read DC, you know, in a sort of completist fashion. I kind of wonder if this is yet another one of those, kind of like we talk with All-Star Superman, it's, it's for the Superman completist connoisseurist, like real fan who's read a ton, that that story motivates something, you know, really important. Similarly here, I, I wonder if that's the case, but... We said a similar thing about the first omnibus and we felt that there was a lot of inside baseball for DC, but it was thoroughly enjoyable. Whereas this was just convoluted. I could never get into a space where I could find this rewarding. It's just so frustrating because you can see that there's something rewarding happening. You just can't grasp Mm -hmm. it. Yeah. It's almost like it's hidden to you with, to the point of intent. Right. Yeah. I had a, a mentor tell me that, I should stop being anxious about not understanding things I read and that sometimes it's not a matter of you not understanding. It's a matter of them not writing it clearly enough. And I had right. to keep reminding mm-hmm. myself of that when I got through it. You know, the point at which you give yourself enough credit. Okay, I have some sense. If I can't get through this, there's a problem. 
Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? As opposed to I must be missing something, which is where most of us start off, I think. Well, I think you're a great benchmark home- for that, yeah. sorry. You're a well-read, sophisticated young lady. Doctor. <laughs> if Tara doesn't understand it, then it's not for understanding. Yeah. Like even the MacGuffin, the <laughs> box, that box that they keep talking yeah. about. Like, I don't even yeah, know what, what that the was. Fu- what, where did it come from? Where did it come from? And what is it exactly? Like it opens up and it's I'm like, gotcha. It's like, well, what? I don't, I don't fucking understand. Like, yeah. Yeah. And then I was thinking, because of dark side, I was thinking afterwards, it's like, oh, is it like a mother box thing? And that's what's pulling him through time. But I don't know anything about DC law. I only know what I've seen in the bad Justice League and the incredibly good Justice League. It's just a, yeah. the whole thing's just a big shrug. It's a literary shrug. And there's that whole scene, the whole thing where like that last time travel space where he goes to the point at which his parents are killed and he's kind of <laughs> like hooking up with that friend of his mom. And it's like yeah, their whole motivation the seems to be apparently seems they want like eternal youth. Okay, but what does that have to do with anything? Why is Batman mm. important to that? Why do you have to sacrifice him? I don't understand what the fuck. Tell you what, though, who's the big name? Um... Frank Quietly does some of it. Yeah, um... Frank Quietly, right? His art's good. I feel that the side stories, because uh, I love Fraser Irving, and I always thought he was someone that Marvel brought into, into the fray for all new or different. But to see Fraser yeah. Irving, in, in actual fact, in a lot more restrained art style in this, that it was a lot more keeping within the lines kind of style compared to his very watercolor background scanned in and then digitally drawn on top that he did for example the stuff he did for guardians of the galaxy when gamora was in the soul realm very ethereal very mystic very murky fuzzy landscape Mm -hmm. and he did a perfect juxtaposition to the regular comic art style Mm -hmm. Uh, in the same way, now, I don't know who's the gentleman that did the arc, did the issue where he goes back to his parents, the return of Bruce Wayne, part six, the all over. You see, even looking it up is painstaking. Mm-hmm. In either case, it reminded me of Tim Sale's art style. It had that sort of gothic mm. noir look to it. It had an animated series, yes, yes. but a high saturated Holy. sort of way. Like it was, it was kind of like taking the Ben Day comic dot style of like almost the animated series, but bringing that into, you know, the full saturation and the flooded color of, of the modern era. In actual fact, not too dissimilar to the way that the good Asian was drawn. Mm-hmm. did you guys so so that thomas wayne thing you know where he like comes back he's like oh no he's, he's not he's actually not dead after all like and he's come back to like reclaim wayne Industries. can anyone explain that to me is that actually supposed to be thomas wayne or is that some kind of like weird um, well that goes back to the first omnibus i think whereby the black glove were provoking bruce wayne ipso facto Batman into engaging with them by using evocative images of his father and also the oh. slur camp- campaign that went on that Bruce Wayne was actually an illegitimate love child of Alfred Pennyworth and that his father was actually a lot like the way that Joker portrayed the Waynes, that there's a public face and then it, that, but that's just a cover to more CD and 
Do you know what I mean? Like, there was more sinister plans afoot for yeah, the Wayne yeah, family. Yeah. And that was still played on a little bit in this when Bruce Wayne was in his last iteration of the time travel arc, that those doubts upon Thomas Wayne were still the ongoing, the ongoing narrative that he was kind of there to either prove or disprove as being employed as a make-weight detective. Every single iteration through that time travel arc was so archetypally Bruce Wayne and Batman that there was the strange benefactor, the strange hero coming from the mist sort of thing. That yeah. I question whether it was time travel and not illusion. Because mm. you're impregnating the past with the lore of Batman that doesn't necessarily hold up. And there was the grandfather paradox that as he was enacting through time, the crumbs were being left for Batman and um, Robin, and they were finding them as it was almost happening, but in a sort of looper way whereby the past is canonically real-time affecting the present, which I always have a problem with. Like in Looper, where the guy's getting tortured and he's having bits of him cut off in Looper and he's walking down the street and his legs go and his nose is gone and all that sort of thing. The two things aren't happening contemporaneously. There is cause and effect. So all of a sudden, that bloke's always been like that, if you know what I mean. Yep. It wouldn't <laughs> be happening in real time as it's happening in the past in real time. But it's time travel. I mean, everybody pretends that they have the conclusive, definitive answer, but ultimately... Retro causality versus bootstrap paradox. It, the two things are completely conflicting, but ultimately it's fiction. <laughs> you fucking do what you want, mate. <laughs> right, right. I'm just like a broken record at this point, but you're always so close to grasping it. Like you feel like mm -hmm. you've got almost taste of it. You can't just, you it's just can't. It's about to make sense if I just go a little deeper and then you're like, oh no. Like, if I don't get it, I'd say allow it. Allow it. It'll make yeah, sense. Totally. Same. But then you've only got two issues left. <laughs> yeah. I did. I did get mad at the end. I'm like feeling the back. Yeah, because yeah. I stuck a, a bookmark in when the when the stuff about the covers, which I always enjoy in the back, when that started, and I'm like, there's it's way too thin, <laughs> way too thin right <laughs> here. Because for the last one, yeah. it was like a solid tray paperback, wasn't it? Yeah, and I. Every issue, I'd find this is how laborious a read it was. Every issue, I'd go to the back and find that part just to see how much I actually had left. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So are you guys like, how are you feeling about the third omnibus at this point? Are you kind of afraid of it? or A little bit. I'm, I'm curious, though. I'm still hoping it gets better. I'm still hoping there's, because there were so many things that were, like you said, the time travel stuff was really engaging, except for when it didn't make sense. Or the whole idea of a viral narcotic that was interesting yeah, cool. as concepts yeah. go but yeah, like yeah. then they're like oh but the antidote's a trojan horse too and then mm. you know it's just a little bit too much but anyway i'm still hoping things come together in the third one somehow which is well i think we're getting batman incorporated now so it's like a whole new thing starting yeah, from yeah, scratch yeah. so hopefully that will so hopefully it'll be Maybe a little bit more, more linear as i said yeah. as he sets it up you know that was such a page break as well, wasn't it? It felt yeah. unearned. Like if that's the conclusion of this omnibus, it's weak source because it has no oh. relation. Because in actual fact, it would have made more sense at the end of the first omnibus. Let's give fair dues where it is. There's only actually been three issues of Batman in this whole omnibus. 
So mm-hmm. yeah. when you're talking about a 25 to 30 issue omnibus, there's only been three. So relatively, in real time of the Batman series, this actually follows on three issues after it. However, that would have made more sense because it was get by with a little help from my friends at that instance. So to put it here, in actual fact, it would have been better if he initiated that prior to the events of the second omnibus and then was further resolute in that ambition at the end of the second one because now he realises the trouble... The trouble, not only does it cause Gotham and the wider world, but the trouble it causes his colleague, his analogues, when he isn't there. So then he's Mm -hmm. like, we need to get this down and we need everybody to know what it truly means to be Batman. And we need one in every country in the world. To answer your question, Tim, how do I feel about it? I actually read Batman Incorporated for New 52. And for about the first trade paperback, I was confused as fuck. I didn't know what was going on. I had no idea. And I was like, is Grant Morrison actually a bit shit? Because this is by far the worst Batman I'd read. And then the second one, the second trade paperback for Batman Incorporated is some of the best Batman I've read. It is sick. (laughs) Okay, okay. I'll look forward to that. And I think, um, well, let's have a look, shall we? I can easily find it out. Let's see what's in the the third omnibus. Batman Incorporated 1 to 8, Batman The Return, Batman Incorporated 0 to 13, Leviathan Strikes, Batman Incorporated Special. So we have three omnibuses for Grant Morrison's Batman, and we have 90% in the first omnibus. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) But yes, yeah. And I have to say, the progression of Damian Wayne in this volume is one of the big highlights. He started off petulant to actually valuing his his relationship with Dick Grayson, the way that uh, Natalia Al Ghul has to save him because he has his spine broken at one point, and then he outright rejects her way and wants to be an actual hero and actually to fill the legacy of his dad. And in actual fact, Grayson as well, like Dick Grayson, he really wants to prove, and he really respects the relationship between them both, and he's almost apologetic when he resorts to, to type. The thing that I find frustrating about this thereafter is... Tomasi and Gleason ignore that and they take him back to the petulant killer. So you have all this mm. character development and especially in what I've read in Incorporated as well after this, the, the strongest point of this is that path of, of Damian Wayne. Yeah. Remember that thing at the end where Bruce Wayne comes back, he's now there and he's Batman again. And he's trying to explain to Damian like what's going on. He's like, I don't care about all that. All I want to know is, can I still be Robin? Like, can I be your Robin? That stuck out to me as like a true evolution of that character from the beginning <laughs> of the first volume where he comes in and she's just like, yeah. fucking just killing yeah. people. And now <laughs> <Right>. he's like, leaves <laughs> yeah. Jason, Jason Todd. Totally yeah. fucks man's up, right? <laughs> yeah. Just cutting people's heads off and shit. And now he's like... <laughs> yeah. It was like the artwork in that scene was expressive because you just see... You see exactly yeah. what, what's intended in the scene. And on top of that, he's that eager to be the superhero when whatever he is, the man in black, the uh, BDSM dude that turns out to be Joker. When Joker's captured, of course, it's the the Dark Knight film ploy that the Joker's only ever captive when he intends to be so. And he sets a trap for Damian Wayne to go and find him. 
And he's mm-hmm. he is that, and he even takes an ironic crowbar with him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which one got killed on the death of Robin? It was Drake when it was something Drake. I think so. I think so. <laughs> D- DC nudes. <laughs> well, I think it's like th- there was a vote, right? It was like yeah, 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 death yeah. or no death. I think it was yeah. Tim Drake, but I, yeah, yeah. But when you had to actually phone up at that point. Yeah. Wow. Have you seen there's been a, uh, you know how you get facsimile editions of comics? There's a fo- mm-hmm. the first ever faux similes about to be released because at that point to the monthly solicit, they had to get the comic where he lives or dies turned around. The phone vote only happened after the issue had been at the end of the issue previous. So they actually wrote both the endings. So there's a faux okay. simile that's about to be released that actually has Robin living. Oh, I think I heard about that. Yeah. I want, yeah, it's interesting. What did that happen? Like what period in his, actual history is that? It was like 10 years ago? I think it was, it was like 90s, wasn't it? Okay. So way longer ago. Okay. Can mm-hmm. you think of any other superhero comics that have bypassed a titular character for as many issues as this. I mean, in real time, it was only three, but if you cobble everything together, it's about 30 issues without Bruce Wayne being Batman. Could you think of any other examples? No, the only thing I thought of wasn't really, I didn't know if it landed in the comic book. I just thought of in a fictional story, I could only think of Buffy the Vampire Slayer when everybody covered for her and she was gone. But I don't know if that made it into the into the graphic novel representation of it. The only one I could think of is when Brubaker was writing Captain America and for 12 months, Bucky was Captain America. Hmm. Of course, we have a lot of examples in modern Marvel where Jane Foster Thor was was Thor. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Jane Foster was Thor. I cut myself a bit short there, didn't I, by saying Thor in the first (laughs) instance. (laughs) And then, of course, there was a lot of gender and waste but totally awesome hulk but that was portrayed as amadeus cho's actual hulk it wasn't the incredible hulk it was totally awesome hulk and of course you had sam wilson captain america which lasted for probably a year or 18 months either side of all new or different in 2015 and then of course they had concurrent titles with steve rogers and sam wilson captain america that went into secret empire which is actually If people just got the fuck over the fact that Cap says Hell Hydra and anybody that saw that one image online and then lost their shit, aren't the people that are reading it? Because that was a really well-seeded event. They had a year to 18 months of pre-work in two ongoing titles and then they went into Secret Empire. The only problem is, is they said it was the real Cap, which of course it was never the real Cap who had turned Hydra. It was... Yeah, yeah, yeah like an alternate universe that was pulled in and they categorically went on the record saying, no, this is Cap. But yeah, I think that was another mistake they made. But people are just too fucking eager to be betrayed. Do you know what I mean? So, so true. The only example I could think of was from Sandman. But it's not the same thing. It's not as if like, you know, here where Bruce Wayne isn't Batman or where... Steve Rogers isn't Captain America or something like that. Here it's like there are issues upon issues where Sandman is either on the sidelines or doesn't appear at all, even though mm. it's the Sandman comics. So it's a little bit different. It's just that's the only mm. thing I can think of. 
Oh, after the death of Superman, Azazel became, uh, was it uh, John Luke something or other, became Batman, didn't he? That's, so that's mm. another example. But it is a fairly uncommon thing. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. So do we have anything else to say about this one? No, though no. I will say that I'm eager to like, try this again maybe in like 10 years if i get more dc under my belt or more batman under my yeah, belt this yeah, is yeah. not something that i would like all-star superman i'm just not gonna just never gonna read that again but this is something that's there's so many things in it that are so intriguing that i think this is something i would potentially revisit mm-hmm. i think it's the difference between being evocative and provocative this is very much provocative it's almost the style of writing is almost confrontational that it's saying mm-hmm. go on go on let's mm-hmm. Read it again and see what you think. Whereas yeah, yeah. we go back to the first one we did in this series, Supergirl, Woman of Tomorrow. That was just straightforward, evocative. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If we're still doing the podcast in 10 years' time, Tim, I dare you to have that amount of time spare. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Issue 1000, uh, or episode yeah. 1000. Dude, we've got a hundreds coming up. I mean, is it really? I mean, not really, but I mean, by the end of next year. Okay. So I'll be happy about. I mean, if we, probably by the end of the current schedule. <laughs> <laughs> it is fucking brutal. All right, let's do a quick roundup and see if anybody's been watching or reading anything before we sign off. Tim, is there a specific little film that you may have seen recently? Oh my god, guys! I watched Thanksgiving. Okay, is this the one you're talking? Is this the one you're referring yeah, to? Yeah, that's what I'm referring to. Yeah. All right. So this had everything. I just like loved this movie. It was like pastiche. It like made fun of itself. It was also extremely brutal and had so many great. I mean, this may be personal to me, but it's set in Plymouth, Massachusetts. I grew up in Massachusetts, so I'm pretty familiar. Right. My brother lives down there. So all this little these subtleties about. Massachusetts that I thought were so funny and right on target. So there's so many, it's a very thoughtful movie, but also clearly strives to be, have like a B movie aesthetic. I thought it was great. I would like you guys to see it. We, if we could talk about it at some point, it'd be fun. Makes me curious about it. I want to see it now that I hear yeah. you say that. And it, it's based on a grind, like a fake grindhouse trailer of a movie that this is the Eli Roth movie. Mm-hmm. The trailer he made for it is like gotta be 20 years at this point you can watch it online and he basically finally made the movie it's so good isn't it just the phone trailer is it brilliant yeah and i because we've been stung a bit with it lives inside i was a bit i looked at it and i was like oh god it just looks like a just a bit of a slasher with a with a motif it's a little bit like oh i don't know if i'm I don't want to say no to Tim, but at the same time, I'm not I'm not enthused by it. And then yeah. and then when I saw it was Eli Roth in the context that you so delightfully explained, I was like, ah fuck it, we're gonna we're gonna do it. <laughs> <laughs> and had and had I not been bored to sleep without my lovely beef satay in my belly from last night, <laughs> <laughs> I'd earmarked. And also with the Robert Meyer Burnett um, appearance, which is on YouTube, by the way. <laughs> if anyone wants to go to Robert Meyer Burnett <laughs> and see me 
God, I'm such an interrupter as well. Like in the first 30 <laughs> seconds, I'm just so grateful for being there. And I'm like, oh, hello, Mr. Burnett, I love you. <laughs> and then I'm like, and then we start talking about the Marvels and I'm just waiting for him to take a breath before I pounce. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This might be your show, but I only get seven fucking minutes, Robert. <laughs> and, and also, I have a thing about calling people by their full names. Um, so I always say, hello, Robert, how are you? <laughs> yeah but by the end of like rob come on mate you can't be saying <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> like, like. <laughs> i wonder if he knows i'm the person that's been battering him on twitter for about how long we've been doing this for like three years to so come on and we, we were this close to getting him like we'd agreed a date great. and a time and and then once he was messaging me saying oh i'm just in a like um i'm in like a hollywood meeting type thing and i was like oh sick i was like oh okay so what you're telling me like you're going to nip out and you have a break or are you saying like, because uh, I was just perplexed that he was interacting with me. I was like, oh, so, so, so what, you'll get a break soon? Or... <laughs> and now I'm the like it was kind of over-enthusiastic fandom. Plus I'm, uh, probably if I went back to read them. But at that point we got some sick interviews and that was from me just being like really, really fucking pushy. <laughs> so... yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but he's a busy dude. I mean, yeah, in yeah. either case, back to the matter at hand, uh, Thanksgiving. Uh, yeah, I, I'm looking forward to seeing it. I think this one will be on streaming within a month, I think. I think it will be one of those. It will have a big opening, and then it'll have like a 60 70% drop-off, and then we'll get it on streaming in about three or four weeks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's nice to have like some Thanksgiving material. Like, it's always Halloween or Christmas are like the big ones. Right. There's, there's very few Thanksgiving-related content, and so I was excited for that too you know and it has i'm not going to get into it but it has so many really thoughtful things so one of the tropes uh, you guys of course know the movie set in boston and like the terrible boston accents that these actors try mm -hmm. to like authentically use but it always comes off embarrassing there's that but it seems purposeful they're making a joke about those types of movies and i just thought it was so fun i don't know curious to see what you guys think yeah, and it's counter-programming to the sort of Gary Marshall sort of trying to monetize holidays or, or bank holidays, as we call them here. Oh, totally. Red, Red Red yeah. Exactly that. Yeah, yeah. So Mother's Day, we had Valentine's Day, we had, I think he did New Year's Eve as well. It's kind of the way that Drake makes albums now. It's not like in the Michael Jackson days when you, you have probably 50s Prince. Prince is a great one. He's supposed to have... 200 albums that are locked away and in his will the only the only thing he specifically noted to his heirs were that they are off limits because they are the shit that i didn't i didn't i mean prince he's like the alice cooper he is that into music that alice cooper spent a month in his basement studio remixing pet sounds because he wanted to know if it could ever be more perfect and that's kind Man, of yeah just seeing if it was perfect <laughs> so uh which it is <laughs> yeah, <Turns> out. <laughs> yeah yeah very much so i can't remember i've got onto music now so i mean i'm just in rebels about that so what was i saying what was the point of that we were just I don't know, asking we're thanksgiving yeah thanksgiving. Yeah, yeah 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 so um, how do we get here i don't know that's Joe's YouTube channel, isn't it? So very well. <laughs> very well. Okay, well, let's just say that there was a point to it. But yeah, 
it's good to see this counter programming, and it isn't just horror films for horror films for Halloween anymore that you can indeed. Yeah. Why not go on and do a New Year's Eve? Why not go on to do a Valentine's yeah. Day in the same totally? In the same yeah, yeah, exactly. Tart, are you watching anything or reading anything interesting? Um, I have been watching a new show on Hulu called Black Cake that they're dropping one episode at a time. They're up to five episodes now. And it's based mm-hmm. on a book that I have in the house, but I haven't read yet. <laughs> Surprise. And, um, but it's, it's, yeah, it's like a story of a family where the matriarch is from Jamaica and, but they're in, is set in the United States. And there's a lot of time back and forth, like finding out all the layers of things that she didn't tell them. But like, it starts off with the mother has passed away and left some information for the adult children and everything's flashbacky from there but it's it's mm. pretty engrossing it's really good yeah well it is familial but the kind of family that they look at i've never i've only heard about in classrooms i've never seen it in a fictional oh, setting I, like I the people in jamaica that are chinese oh, uh, really? in their lineage it's about that yeah and um yeah, the family, like the matriarch's father is Chinese and the mother is Jamaican. And I had never seen mm. that represented anywhere before. So that was kind of exciting to me, too. It's a fairly new cast, but I think um, they all do such a great job. I won't be surprised if they become household names later. It's an ensemble. And if you can't get with the time jumps, you, you're in trouble if you can't get with the time jumps. So that's right. a little heavy on. My mom will be confused and I'll have to stop everything and say, okay, here's where we are right now. And this is a few years ago because see her hair is longer. And it's, <laughs> it's that sort of thing. So, so yeah, I'm anxious to see how everything's going to come together. And that was on Hulu? Hulu. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Do you know how long the series is? I don't know how long it ends up because because then I would have read the book and that would have helped. But <laughs> <laughs> I know there's they're they're doing one season at this point, but I don't know how far it goes i have many ornamental books as well (laughs) yes well it's pretty (laughs) (laughs) but if anybody comes in my house they'll think i'm clever as fuck because i've got on the shelf (laughs) i make sure i just always keep one shelf for books (laughs) right (laughs) on the buses on the buses on the buses science stuff yeah (laughs) i'm a double-edged nerd (laughs) (laughs) that's right exactly yeah i'm a nerd in every Respect. I one of the things, guys, before we, uh, I wanted to raise is that I have been listening to a lot of, I'm not prepared to say anything substantive about this because, and there's lots, I think, lots substantively to say about it, but I've been listening to a lot of Amy Winehouse lately oh, for some yeah. reason. I really think she's, she was like a kind of a genius. Um, I do too. It's been a while since I immersed myself in her. So it's yeah, yeah, same. That. Like I was really, really into her. Like, when back in black came out maybe like for the mm-hmm. year or two after that and then like she died you know i think in 2011 or something 2012 wow yeah i think it's like 2011 and then i kind of just lost track of it but i've been revisiting her work lately and i, I really think she's a once in a maybe generation type of vocalist so i don't know i'm gonna listen to more and maybe think about her a little bit She's very interesting as a cultural figure too, you know, so. Definitely. Anyway. There was, there still is actually, it's been brought back recently on Sky. There's a music 
panel quiz show called Never Mind the Bollocks. No, Never mm -hmm. Mind the Buzz, Never Mind the Buzzcocks. Oh, that's and it's, <laughs> and it's been going for around 20 years. Now, the first two hosts were the first one was there for about 10 years. His name was Mark Lamar, very sardonic, took the piss, didn't hell anybody with any regards. And it was very much, you were allowed to be in on the joke, but if you weren't, then you're basically putting a target yeah. on yourself. And then yeah. it changed to this guy called Simon Anstall, who was, again, a very sardonic stand-up comic. He did sitcom appearances as well. But it's very sort of low-tone, highbrow comedy. You know, the nodding type of comedy, not the laugh-out-loud comedy. Yeah, yeah. sure. But yeah. he was fucking vicious. He would tear strips off anybody. And because in that age of the mid-noughties, there was this explosion of British indie and British rock music, you'd find that there were people that were on the show that went on to be huge household names. Like people, I'm, mm -hmm. I'm not sure if Adele was ever on it, but it would make sense. Mm -hmm. But the point I'm getting to is Amy Winehouse was on it. But when you have mm -hmm. somebody that's so gregarious and so charming that she was one of the few people that when Simon Amstel started dishing it out, she'd be like, what's your fucking problem, mate? Like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> like yeah, yeah. well, you're just a host of fucking quiz show. Like, leave us alone. Or carry on if you want to and see. What, do you know what I mean? Like, she'd just call it out. Yeah. And that's the bravest person. And she was one of the few that would make Simon Amstel retreat. So if you can find, oh, wow. there's probably clips. There's probably clips or there's, or, the, or if you can find the whole episode on YouTube, I'd recommend anybody watch it. It's like I send clips of celebrity juice to you, don't I, Tara, with Keith? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it was very much of that British sort of piss take, no holds barred, but we shake hands afterwards kind of comedy. Right. And Simon Anstall pushed a couple of people so far that they walked off and they actually brought people in from the audience to sit in. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. That's so Yeah, good. like... It wasn't a made-for-TV, let's play this out and let's ask him back on and apologise. They were like, if you want to walk off, walk off. We'll just get someone out of the audience. One of the instances, it was a guy that went on to Big Brother, Celebrity Big Brother. His name is Preston. He was from a band called Ordinary Boys. And he had a missus when he went in. But when he came out, he broke up with her and ended up being with somebody from the programme. Oh, like, no. Yeah, so... He lost his everyday sort of rock star veneer. And on top of that, his missus brought out a book. And Simon Anstall was reading passages from her book. And he was saying, so what do you think she meant when she said that? Oh. Absolutely brutal. So the ones that I would yeah. recommend would be Amy Winehouse, Preston Ordinary Boys and Donnie Tourette who thought he was in the Sex Pistols and actually went into Celebrity Big Brother as well. Those three oh, wow. episodes are outrageous. Wow, outrageous. Cool. <laughs> it's post-production, Matt. We ain't, we ain't spoken in a while, haven't we? So if you want to know what the episodes are, for never mind the Buzzcocks, and I'm not too sure where you can watch it in America, but I'm sure you can find the clips on YouTube. Amy Winehouse was season 19, episode 4. Donnie Tourette was season 20, episode 2. Preston from the Ordinary Boys was season 15, episode 1. That's what Wikipedia says, but I don't think that's quite right. 
Adele was actually on the program and she was on season 22, episode one, and one that I missed, but it seems like a, a stand, a sort of standout episode that you might be interested in. And that was Nicholas Holt with season 20, episode four. So there you go, guys. If you're interested at all, then that's your point of reference. Now back to the episode where I believe I'm about to uh, say goodbye to everybody. So goodbye from post-production, Matt. And I'll speak to you soon. Okay, let's wrap it up there then, guys. Um, an absolute pleasure. Thank you for joining us, Tara. It's uh, it's a absolute delight to see you across the air, the internet waves in the <laughs> air and sea, wherever, however you get here on my screen. It's been a delight. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. It's always good to come back home with you guys. Yeah, and I'm sorry for the for the reading matter in this instance, but you know we've only got one more to go, and it will be worth no, it just to see you again. <laughs> Sounds good to me. Well, once again, we turn lemons into lemonade. So <laughs> it's been a pleasure. Thank you very much, Tim. And that only leaves me. You'll make you the co-host. Matt. to say thank you for listening if you indeed you've made it to the end of this episode then why don't you hit subscribe come on just push it just give it a little tickle and magic happens it's the secret button to happiness if you are listening to one of the excerpts on youtube and you want to listen to a whole episode or indeed follow us on one of your favorite listening locations you only have to search for spank media the and, and if you are listening to us on one of those glorious locations, then we've started doing YouTube exclusives. We will do at some point. <laughs> <laughs> and if you want to keep up to date and watch everything that we have to offer, listen to everything we have to offer, then it's the end one shots. And that is on YouTube. So thank you for joining us. I am your regular co-host, Matt. And that leaves me one more thing to say. We have been, and this is the end. Whoa! Look wow, at that. look at that.